I hope you're well. I trust that you're well. I am well, thanks for asking. And um, I'm glad to be here with you very, very much today. See some new faces. My name is Wayne Griswold. I'm the pastor here at East Parkway, and we're just delighted to, uh, to have you with us today. Will you take your Bible, please, and meet me in the New Testament Gospel of Mark. Uh, Mark's Gospel. How many of you are familiar with the name Ray Bolts? Just by a show of hands, how many are familiar with the name Ray Bolts? One, two, three, four, a few, handful. Familiar with the name Ray Bolts. Ray Bolts is a singer-songwriter from the 80s and 90s uh, who was relatively unknown and apparently still is. <laughs> kind of blows this illustration, but was, was relatively unknown until in 1988 he wrote a song that literally touched, literally touched hundreds of thousands of lives across the world. Uh, the song won the annual Dove Award for Song of the Year in 1990. In fact, I played this song uh, before my church in Folsom when I returned from my uh, first missions trip as a way of of expressing my appreciation to that congregation for sending me on this trip. Uh, in 1997, this song was performed live at Mother Teresa's funeral, and to this day, regardless of what we're seeing here in this room, to this day, it still ranks among CCM's top 100 greatest songs in Christian music. Anyone want to take a stab as to the name of this song? No. Thank you. Thank you. The song is called Thank You. And it's about a man in heaven who is surprisingly and utterly amazed at, uh, at the impact of his rel relatively obscure life on earth. One by one, people approach him. He's in heaven. One by one, people approach him to thank him for serving them and pointing them to Jesus. A child from the Sunday school class he once taught, for example. Uh, a person in a faraway land who came to Christ in part because of the man's willingness to give to missions. One by one, they came, people who'd been touched in some way by this man's life, things that went unnoticed on earth were declared and celebrated in heaven, even as Jesus uh, took this man by the hand to assure him that his was a life well lived and that great is his reward in heaven. I want to talk with you today about this reality, about our lives on earth and the investment we're making in heaven. Now, I was planning to, to, uh, to returning 
to our series in the book of Acts this morning. But some things have happened recently in my life that God has used to remind me of these things. This investment we're making in heaven. This reality that things that go relatively unnoticed here on earth, I believe will be declared and celebrated in heaven. Even last Sunday night, Sally and I were settling down for some TV together. The nighttime routine was, uh, was nearly complete. The kids were fed and, and bathed. Hair and teeth were brushed. Uh, songs and stories were, uh, were sung and told. And uh, they were tucked in. At least the younger ones, the littler ones were were tucked in, and we'd taken our positions on the sofa, and one of us, I, I honestly don't remember whether it was her or me, but one of us said something about Mark Harbour's sermon from last Sunday, and how that message from Isaiah 45 uh, uh, spoke to us about how our lives are not in vain, and that encouraged us, and in those few moments... God reminded me also of other recent and similar instances. So, although it may not be very pastoral as far as you're concerned, the makings of this message, this message began forming last Sunday evening while sitting on the sofa watching TV with my wife. Today, I just want to assure you, I want to encourage you with the encouragement by which God has encouraged me. In the Gospel of Mark, we find a small parable that is only found in the Gospel of Mark, only here. And in this parable, Jesus testifies to the kingdom of God, to our participation in God's work in the world, and to the assurance of God's sovereign grace from beginning to end. And yet, to our surprise... The great takeaway from this parable, hear this, is found not in what we know, but rather in what we don't. Because God's kingdom is such that when it's all said and done, I suspect we'll be amazed by the effect that our lives here on earth are having in heaven. I want to read this with you. Mark chapter 4, beginning at verse 26, this brief yet powerful little parable. Jesus said, The kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. He sleeps and rises night and day, and the seed sprouts and grows. He knows not how. The earth produces by itself first the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. But when the grain is ripe, at once he puts in the sickle, because the harvest has come. Father, we want to thank you for our time together. Thank you for, for being a speaking God and for speaking to us still today. Thank you for 
your word to us this morning. Thank you for these truths and this parable and and this picture of this parable, the analogy of this parable to the kingdom of God and to our lives in the kingdom. God, I pray that the meaning of this parable would not be lost on any one of us today. I pray that you would speak this parable to us anew, that you would apply it to our lives and encourage our hearts and really set us forth from this place with joy and peace and confidence in knowing that you are with us and that your grace prevails. So now give us ears to hear and hearts to receive. Amen. Jesus is explaining here what what God's kingdom is like and what life is like in the kingdom. It's like this, he says. It's, It's like a man scattering seed on the ground. Now, from other passages, we know that the seed represents the message of the kingdom of God. The seed is the word of God, the truth of God, and in some cases it refers specifically to the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Therefore, the man in this parable is spreading good news. He's scattering the seed of God's message to the world but there is a clear sense of unpredictability here, if, if you notice. Even the word scatter alludes to just how unpredictable and random things may appear. The man is just going about his day, his daily routine. He's working by day and he's sleeping by night while the seed sprouts and grows. But notice that the man knows not how. I want you to look closely at those four simple words. He he knows not how. If, If you're one who likes to write in your Bible, I want you to mark those four words. Underline them. Highlight them. Circle them. Whatever message uh, or method, whatever method you use, do not miss the significance of those four words because those four words are the key to understanding what Jesus is getting at in this parable. Listen, the growth of the seed is not up to the man who scatters it. He's not even sure how it occurs. It's all unknown and unseen to him. He cannot make the seed grow. He cannot force its growth. He cannot alter the characteristics of the seed, that which makes a seed a seed. He cannot alter the seed's processes, and he cannot see what's going on inside the seed or how the seed relates to the soil or how it processes light and warmth from the sun or how the rain from, the bu- from above or the, the dew of the earth from beneath affects everything in its time. All these 
many variables are, and more are entirely out of his hands. All of them. It's about how God has created seed and soil to interact among these many variables. And in fact, isn't that what Jesus says in verse 28, that the earth produces by itself? So the growth of the seed, please hear this. The growth of the seed and the harvest to come doesn't ultimately depend on the man at all. There are things that are completely out of our control. Things that take time that is likewise time that is likewise out of our control. There's a process to follow. First the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. And this process is out of our control. We don't know exactly how much time, because in reality... Jesus isn't talking about wheat or other crops with predictable seasons. He's talking about people. He's talking about interactions with people, our interactions concerning the kingdom of God and how it interacts with the everyday stuff of life. He's talking about how people respond to God and God's message of new life in Christ and how we cannot control their response. Even when they respond favorably, when the seed sprouts and grows, still we scratch our heads in wonderment because we know not how, how it all came to be in that individual's own heart. We know not how. And yet, despite our uncertainty along the way and our ignorance as to how it all came about, there is a harvest to be harvested. Praise God. And so the man still has a role, a job to do. His role in this parable is twofold, to scatter the seed and to harvest the grain. The beginning, the end, even though he doesn't understand at all the path from points A to B. Does that make sense? Does it make any difference in how we live our lives and view our role on earth as it relates to God's kingdom, the kingdom of heaven? Church, I think, I believe that God, there are three reasons why God has placed this message upon my heart this morning. First, because as I mentioned, there are some things that have happened to me recently, encouraging things. And I just, God just wants me to testify to his grace. 
Second, because God wants to encourage you about the things that are going on in your life and your role in the kingdom of God. And third, I believe God wants to encourage our church as it pertains to our role collectively concerning the kingdom of God. Three weeks ago, three weeks from today, on Sunday, December 23rd, we were wrapping up our Advent series, and after I gave the benediction to our morning service that day, I was walking from this side of the sanctuary to this side of the sanctuary. When I, pa- I was walking along the back there, when I passed someone I didn't recognize who was standing in the doorway uh, of, of the church that sits obviously in the middle of this room, and so I... I stopped and I introduced myself and he shook my hand and he introduced himself and his name is Todd and I didn't recognize him. I didn't recognize his name at first, but he began to tell me how we met almost 30 years ago when I was volunteering in junior high ministry. I was volunteering at junior high ministry at a church in Folsom and how he was one of the students in my youth group at that time. He told me that he was one who was always asking questions during and after youth group and Bible study and that he appreciated my patience with him and my willingness to answer his questions as best I could. And then back in that day, when Sally and I were engaged, as many of you can relate, Sally and I were engaged, and I was doing anything I could to earn a few extra bucks to help with the wedding and to help with any type of honeymoon. So I was just taking every odd job I could, and I had arranged. He told I'd forgotten about. It. He had told me that I had arranged in the church some yard working jobs, where people in the church would hire me to come clean up their yard, just cheap labor. And how on a few occasions I would bring him along with me just to to work together and talk together and share life together. And during one of those occasions, apparently I said something. Uh, we were we were discussing the passage that passage in Second Corinthians chapter four, where the Apostle Paul talks about how we are just jars of clay. You know the one he talks about. We're just jars of clay. We're just earthen vessels that God is shaping and making into something beautiful and useful. And apparently, I said in those moments how I want to be a good lump of clay. I want to be a better lump of clay. I want to be a more malleable lump of clay in God's hands. And and that saying struck him, and it stuck with him to this very day. Sally and I were married in May of 1994. It was 25 years this May. We moved to Roseville. We still tried to attend the church in Folsom for about a year until the distance just became too much. So we found a church in Roseville and began serving there. And as is very common in situations like these, unfortunately, the connections I had with those in Folsom slowly disconnected. And yet, here was Todd, 
now a 40-something-year-old man standing in the doorway of our church recounting story after story. He'd moved to Texas some years ago but was home for Christmas to spend the holiday with his family who still live in Folsom. He said he thought about me on occasion uh, for years and so he looked me up online and after their church service in Folsom three weeks ago, he decided to rush over to our church in the hope of catching me before we left. And as we talked in the doorway of this very sanctuary, he thanked me for being a friend when he was just a youth. He thanked me for taking interest in him. He thanked me for sharing my life with him. And then he thanked me in his words for leading, me to, for leading him to Christ. And he was flying back to Texas the next day or so, but before he left, he said he wanted to tell me in person that I had made a difference in his life and that he was still walking with Jesus and growing in his faith. And now, church, I just share that with you because I know not how. Because in all honesty, in all honesty, I don't even remember those memories much at all. So much has happened over the last 25 plus years and although I've never been in a particularly large church, I have served in three different congregations, and collectively there have been thousands of people and hundreds of youth. And so as this former youth, now an adult, was sharing these memories of me with me and talking about the impact I had, I must admit that I know not how that seed has grown. All the glory to God. How could I have known that when I walked into my pastor's office as an 18-year-old high school graduate, relatively new in the Lord, but eager that the junior high Bible study we launched under my direction would amount to anything? How could I have known that it was through that ministry experience where I would meet other youth workers, one of whom introduced me to my eventual wife-to-be? How could I have known that through a set of challenging and disappointing, uh, or, or that, that when Sally and I were married and we moved from Folsom to Roseville, that God uh, would use our volunteer ministry with youth to confirm his call upon our lives to serve the church? And then how could we have known that through a set of challenging and, and uh, disappointing circumstances, he led us from, from that second church to this church, and that my first official church staff position would be here at East Parkway, what was Sierra Hills, as the youth guy. How could I have known that it would be through an, another unexpected and challenging transition 
that I would become the pastor here nine years later. You see, if you had talked to me as an 18-year-old when we launched that that junior high Bible study, there is no possible way that I could have known that it would eventually lead me here. In other words, hear this church, even as I have been sowing seeds along the way and have seen some of them sprout and grow, there have been seeds sown in me that have sprouted also. And I know not why. I know not why. I only testify to the sovereign grace of my, uh, the sovereign grace of God in my life, who sees the beginning and the end at once, and has promised to complete that which He's begun. And the same is true of you, which is the second reason why God placed this upon my heart. You. God wants you to know that his grace is working in you as well and through you. Two weeks ago at our annual Sharing Sunday, many of you testified as much that God has has done things in your life and in the lives of those around you that, that leave you amazed in retrospect Though we can't always recognize his handiwork as it occurs in real time, we can look back to see that God is good and that he's done good things that we couldn't possibly bring about on our own, right? Are you with me? Last Saturday, I loved this. Many of you were here. Last Saturday, we gathered to celebrate the life of our our dear Barbara Myers. And what an amazing time of testimony that was. And what an amazing woman she was. I loved hearing about, I loved hearing about her work ethic and her servant's heart and her competitive, her fierce competitive nature, her many interests and her deep faith in God. And oh, if you were here, you know this, to hear her children and her grandchildren speak of her, what a gift that was. And two of her grandchildren admitted to being far from God, to wanting nothing to do with God when they were younger, and therefore to causing much heartache for Barbara and the family, but through Barbara's faithfulness to God and to them, because she continued to love them, she continued to serve them, she continued to receive them, she continued to pray for them. Because of Barbara's faithfulness to God and to them, they said, they've come to faith in Jesus, and now they walk with Jesus to this very day. Barbara scattered the seeds of God's kingdom in their hearts, but never could she have known exactly how they'd sprout and grow. Never. Last Sunday... Really, the genesis of this message today, last Sunday, when we welcomed Mark and Ruth Harbor from Taiwan, and they shared their hearts and their lives with us, do you think, come on now, do you think they knew the full extent of what God was doing when he led them to Taiwan 34 years ago? 
that they'd still be there spreading the good news of Christ, scattering the seed of God's kingdom in people's lives one person at a time. Of course they didn't. Because even as Mark himself said in his sermon last week, deep down, remember this? Deep down the pastor is always wondering if he's really making any difference or if the people he pastors is really getting what it means to live with Christ. We don't know. We do not know how it all comes together. But because God is at the helm, the work is not in vain. Let me encourage you further in this way. Do not give up on those people you've been praying for and living with and ministering to. Do not give up. People in your family, people at work or school, people with whom you you share friendship and whose paths you cross regularly or semi-regularly, do not give up. Maybe you have a child or, or a parent or a sibling or a spouse uh, and you want so much, so much, you, you want so desperately, you, you, you want them in the kingdom of God. You want them to know the wonders of life in Christ as you do. And so you, you sh- you've shared it with them and you've prayed for them and you've prayed for them and you've shared with them and yet the growth seems so non-existent at times and so slow in coming. Do not give up. Maybe you work in the church nursery or teach Sunday school or serve as a greeter or usher or, or on the hospitality team. Maybe you're a life group leader or you, you host a life group in your home. Maybe at times you've grown discouraged because you can't see the growth in others you were expecting or hoping for. Do not give up. God wants to encourage you today with this parable by reminding you that we know not how the growth occurs. We just know that it does by God's grace. I know how we just want to go through life, aren't we? I mean, this is so true of us. We just go through life. We want to know how. We're always wanting to know how, how to reach this person, how to navigate this conversation, how to bring God's kingdom and eternal matters into the consciousness of our loved ones. And that's okay. There's a place for that. But maybe the answer is not in knowing how. It's in leaving the how up to God. How many times have we grown weary with the how when God just wants us to be present in what he's doing in real time? 
thirdly, another reason I believe, why I believe God is bringing this to our attention today is because I do believe he wants to encourage our church and our ministry in new ways. Jim mentioned this earlier at the start of the service. Over the past year or two, we've been talking about building community for the cause of Christ. And at our vision meeting last September, we, we tried to flesh that out a little bit. And we, um, we talked about four things, four pillars, if you will, to build upon. And, and they are, number one, to, to reach the people of Tree Lake Village and beyond. Number two, to make followers of Jesus from one generation to the next. Number three, to gather each week for Christ-centered worship. Like this gathering is important. And number four, to, to, to support and care for one another. And we do believe, we believe that if, that if these four things more and more begin to characterize who we are, each of these four things, that, that we, will, uh, we will build a community for the cause of Christ. I think these things are important for us as a church. I think they help in keeping us from straying into some form of me-centric, individualized Christianity that, that I want the church that I want. They help keep us focused on God's mission in the world and in our part of the world and in the lives of people all around us. Hopefully, they help motivate your participation as we each come to realize that it takes an entire church to be the church that God has called us to be. But as helpful as these things are, hear this, I do not want us thinking that we have all the answers or that building community is this, in this way is something that we can bring about on our own or that it ultimately depends on us. Pastors and church members everywhere are looking for the how, how to grow the church, how to get this program or that ministry off the ground, how to build momentum and keep it. You've heard these things, right? Books and seminars and conferences are spent trying to answer these how questions. And again, I think there's a place for that, con uh, that conversation, but I'm struck by the lesson of this parable that the man knows not how the seed grows. The picture here is the man is doing his part and he's leaving the results to God. I think this parable reminds us as a church, as a fellowship of faith, that, that our role is to scatter the seed not to grow the seed or figure out how it grows. It's, but hear this, it's, it's not, to, this parable does not excuse us from the work. It does not excuse us from the work. Rather, it exhorts us to go out, to get out in the world, to share the message of God's kingdom with others 
and then let things unfold under his direction. I want to read for you a part of an email I received a couple of weeks ago from a visitor here at church, actually from Brett Stoffen's parents who were visiting from, from Arizona, right? From Arizona over Christmas, and, and Brett's father wrote me, he wrote me to say just how much they enjoyed worshiping with us that Sunday and how thankful he is that Brett and Samantha, how thankful he and his wife are that Brett and Samantha have found a good church home. He encouraged me in in many, many ways in this email, um, in very personal ways. It was very meaningful to me. And then he said something, then he said this, which I can share with, with all of you. He said, keep doing what you are doing, Pastor Wayne. We pray that God will bring the harvest to your church and that he will provide the people you need. Sunday school teachers, children and youth workers, small group leaders, worship team members, musicians, maintenance people, etc., etc., that God will provide the people you need to help you reach your community. Keep preaching the word, Pastor Wayne. Keep focusing on genuine worship and keep encouraging your folks to find ways to be active in serving your community. Thank you again, he said. And blessings on all of you in 2019. And so, dear people of East Parkway Church, you are making a difference. And as we begin another year of life and ministry together, be encouraged to know that in the Lord our labor is never in vain. That we're about the kingdom of God, about participating in His work in the world, about relying upon His sovereign grace from beginning to end. Be encouraged to know that we need not know how the seeds of the kingdom grow in people's lives. We need not know how they grow. And, And by all means, church, be encouraged to know that our lives here on earth, your life, here on earth is having an incredible effect in heaven as we do our part and leave the results to God. First the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. But when the grain is ripe, has come. Amen. Father, we thank you for our time this morning. Thank you for encouraging my heart and for encouraging our hearts collectively. Help us to trust you, to believe you, to, um, to go forth in your name by your spirit, promoting the message of your kingdom and leaving the results in your hands. Make us to be faithful to our role, to the scattering of the seed, and to the bringing in of the harvest. May you receive all the glory, for we know not how it all came to be.